Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, we've missed a couple of weeks. We'll have to catch up a little. Uh, Nick Saban and staff landed a significant commitment. The softball team won the regular season SEC championship. But let's start with Nate Oates and the basketball team. Is there anyone left that Nate Oates has not extended a scholarship offer to? Well, really, it's just me, and I understand why. <laughs> Are you not quick to the rack? Well, I mean, look, I'm like Shaq when he was with the Cavs at the end of his career. Like, I'm good for half-court running, but after that, man, I'm just stumbling and bumbling all over. <laughs> but look, it, it seems like Oates and staff are in a, a different city, a different AAU tournament by the hour. They're scouting, extending offers to some of the top players in the nation, mostly in the 2020 class and beyond. Yeah, who would have thought that Alabama can actually go offer four- and five-star recruits across the country? I tell you, between Coach Oates and Coach Hodgkins, I mean, these guys are freaking killing it across the country so far. Uh, 21 players in the 2020 class are reporting an Alabama offer, seven in the 2021 class, and one in the 2022 class. That's 29 total reported offers. Obviously, offering and gaining a commitment from a prospect are two different things, but Alabama has seemed to gain some leverage with a few top players in the country, uh, most notably Deshaun Nix, who's a top 15 player in the country. There's chatter that Alabama could even have maybe an early lead there. And Davon Smith, a top 50 player in the country. They've offered 13 top 50 players in the country for 2020. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely incredible. I mean, it's going to come down to the point to where if we take into consideration the size of the roster for football and basketball, you know, Nick Saban's got some, uh, he's got some competition right now in terms of best coach in terms of recruiting on campus. Yeah. What this tells me is Nate Oates is going to swing for the fences on the recruiting trail. He's going to fight with some of the top programs for signatures, which is what we need. Yeah. Pardon the pun, but Coach Oates is out here. Uh, he's shooting a shot, man. Yeah, I mean, you can always go to your back. Hey, if, if some of those top 50 guys don't work out, you can always go to your backup plans later, like sort of like he is with James Rojas right now, yeah. or, or or go to the transfer market. Yeah, it's crazy when you allow yourself to have a plethora of options, the amount of talent you can have to fall back to. Well, we do want to hit on the 2019 class as well, which are the incoming freshmen for next season. It seems pretty cut and dry right now. Assuming Alabama has no other transfers and Tevin Mack eventually pulls his name out of the draft pool, uh, the last spot will go to either Trendon Watford, R.J. Cole, or James Rojas. Uh, I think they, they're probably prioritized in that order as well, and I think anyone else beyond that would be a surprise. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, it's funny, this, this whole entire recruitment of Watford, just when you think it can't get more drunk, it turns around and <laughs> has some drinks with me and it gets lit, you know, and it's wild. You know, now the way I understand it, Memphis doesn't have a spot left for him. LSU, you know, the insurity with Will Wade there. Um, we'll see how that goes uh, because we may end up, you know, being that fallback plan for him. And, you know, he, we could uh, potentially see him on campus still after all. Yeah, his recruitment took a quick turn when Will Wade was reinstated at LSU. It looked like it was down to Alabama and Memphis. Then Wade seemed to dodge that nuke that kind of looked inevitable. And they shot right back to the top of Watford's list. Uh, you never know with teenagers, decision-making in the recruiting world. But I think at this point, it'd shock everyone in the industry if he chooses anyone other than LSU. Yeah, and I'm not so sure, you know, not to go on a tangent, but I'm not so sure Will Wade, you know, may still be there this time next year anyways, the way it looks. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't even think the way Watford's doing all this, I mean, do, do we even believe he knows where he's going? Because I don't think so. Uh, it's It has drug out some. I, I, and 
now they're saying really he doesn't even have to sign in the late signing period. He can just wait it out, see what happens with Will Wade, and just enroll at whatever school he wants to go to. Mm, uh, well, would you would you be willing to wait? Let me ask you this: Would you be willing to wait on him and kind of let that that last spot linger? Uh, it depends on the time frame. I mean, obviously, you know, since Coach Oates has been hired, you know, that's when the pitcher started to develop within the craziness of his recruitment. Um, I, a month, yes. Now, if we're talking going into the summer, yeah. no. I mean, you got to do what's best for your program. Yes, it would be great to have a player like him, but at the end of the day, if he's this problem to get you to, to commit to your school, what the hell kind of problem do you think he's going to be throughout drills, practices, going to class? You know, all the all the intangible things he has to do as well. Yeah, we brought up R.J. Cole. He's a transfer option from Howard. Uh, and someone I'd kind of put in that same tier with Trendon Watford, he was the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Player of the Year last season. He averaged 21.4 points per game. He was on the AP All-American Honorable, Honorable Mention Team. Uh, R.J. Cole is one of the top few transfers in college basketball this season. He has taken his official visit to Alabama. It looks like his decision may come down to Alabama or UConn. Uh, he also entered his name into the NBA draft. That's potentially just to get feedback. Assuming he doesn't get it like a first-round grade or something like that, it's assumed he would probably return to college. The only negative with R.J. Cole is that he would sit a year opposed to Trendon Watford or James Rojas, who could help immediately. But I'm not sure, Brad, that I don't prefer him over the other two regardless. Interesting. And why do you feel that way? Uh, he is already a proven player at the D1 level. This is a guy that entered his name in the NBA draft, not like Tevin Mack, who is strictly just trying to get feedback, basically. This is a guy that potentially has an, an NBA future. And he is proven, he's a proven, like I said, 21.4 points per game. He's a conference player of the year. I mean, if you can add that to your roster, you have to take it. And he's a point guard, which we all assume in Nate Oates' system is going to be even more important than, than normal. Yeah. And, you know, with him sitting out a year or two, if he did come, um, you know, that's actually good timing, you know, yeah. in terms of looking forward. So yeah. uh, if you tell me would I wait on Trendon and I got the option to take RJ over the next 30 days, I think if Trendon's not moving, I'm sorry. I mean, he's had his chance numerous times. I, I would have RJ at that point. The way that I would re- approach it if I'm if I'm Nate Oates is if RJ Cole wants to commit right now, I take it. Period. Yeah, I Absolutely. Uh if, if Trendon Watford, then a month from now, wants to commit to Alabama, maybe, you know, I send somebody packing. I don't know. That's going to be – that's a tough decision to make. Mm, uh, yeah. Your third option is James Rojas. We've already talked about him on the show before, so we won't spend a ton of time. Juco All-American. My only fear with, with James Rojas, Brad, is that, like we said, the, the Watford recruitment has drug on, which we expect it to end soon, but who knows. R.J. Cole has his NBA draft camp. And then he plans to visit UConn. So my fear with Rojas is that he kind of grows tired of being option C. Yeah, no, I mean, look, and you can't blame the guy either, especially if Alabama is willing to wait, you know, quite a bit of time for Watford, you know, because then you could potentially, you know, be looking at R.J. Cole also growing uneasy and and, and impatient. Yeah. So, I mean, from all accounts, James Rojas seems pretty set on wanting to play for Nate Oates. But, you know, if you let this thing drag on another month and and you kind of keep putting him on the back burner – and he's a guy that you want, uh, that's a, a scary game to play for Nate Oates and company. Yeah, I agree. To the surprise of no one, Brad, the football team is also having some success on the recruiting trail. Uh, athlete Drew Sanders from Denton, Texas, switched his commitment from Oklahoma to Alabama last week. He's the 16th-ranked 
prospect in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Top 35 player in the composite rankings. He'll play outside linebacker when he gets to Tuscaloosa. And Brad, Alabama beat literally everyone for this guy. Yeah, I, I actually saw a couple of clips of him from last season, and uh, he is freaking big. <laughs> I will give <laughs> yeah. him that. That dude, they are feeding him the right stuff. Yeah, I think he's listed at, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 6'5", 222. Yeah. Uh, Steve Wiltfong, a reporter for 24-7 Sports. And, and by the way, I cite 24-7 on here a lot because I think they're the most accurate site in the recruiting industry. But But Steve Wiltfong says he had a coach tell him that Drew Sanders is one of the top two or three prospects in the country. So pretty high praise there. Yeah, I mean, where he's ranked already in the composite rankings or just on 24-7 period, uh, not much more higher that Bama bump's going to move him. <laughs> yeah, he's fringe. He's fringe five-star. So, And you know, look, I always have those one or two guys every class that I'm completely sold on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty vocal about it every year. And Look, we have a long way to go until signing day too, but this is the one right now. In Alabama's class that I'm I'm all in on after watching him play. I was thinking about this earlier. The best compliment I can give him, and you know, you know, like I do, there's always like that one annoying white guy in college football, <laughs> and, and one in college basketball every year too. But like Duke always seems to have him. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, except for like when Marshall Henderson was at uh, Ole Miss, that was like the the uh, one time yeah, that Duke. <laughs> that's the one time that Duke didn't have their annoying white guy. Yeah. Um, but in football, there's always that one, too. So for the past few years, there's been, uh, help me out, like there's been Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Um, yeah, emphasis on few. <laughs> yeah. We had Johnny Manziel for a couple seasons. Uh, I think you could probably put Chad Kelly, Baker Mayfield in there somewhere. Clemson had uh, uh, Ben Bulware. He was like, oh, he was yeah. front and center. He, he was annoying white guy number one. There's always yeah. the one. There's always yeah. the one. And what do all of those guys have in common? Uh, they have crazy hair. <laughs> no, they're all good. Like they're oh, they're all it. yeah. I mean, they're all legitimately some of the better players in college football, and that's why people don't like them. I mean, that's that's a major reason as to why. I mean, I won't say like that's not a hundred percent why everybody disliked Johnny Manziel, obviously. But yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Yeah, no. That's a. I mean, that's an interesting point. You know, because look, you love him if he's yours, you hate him if he's not. Yeah, so. exactly. And I think Drew Sanders has the potential to be our annoying white guy in college football. The guy that like four or five years from now, fans of different teams across the country will look up at the TV. They will see him making another play and they're going to wonder, how is he still in college? Right. I'm here for it. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be great. I mean, he's uh, he's in that upper echelon in terms of heights, too, for our, our linebacking core that over the last few years. Yeah. You know, it, we haven't had really a tall linebacker, 6'5 or taller, since Adrian Hubbard that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, he also, I mean, he plays some different positions, too, but it, he seems pretty set. I'm coming to Alabama to play defense, which, uh, yeah. you know, he's like I said, he switched from Oklahoma. So I'd say that's probably a pretty good call on his end. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, he's given up probably, what, an extra 30 tackles, a few sacks here or there, you know. <laughs> so, um, but, no, I mean, the dude looks legit. If you haven't seen him, check his film out. Um, he's going to be a great addition. You know, it's going to be another uh, linebacker to the list of Nick Saban linebackers, you know, not named Ben Davis. Uh, sticking with the recruiting theme, Alabama currently has the third-ranked class in the nation. Ahead of them, Brad, not surprisingly, Clemson, but semi-surprisingly, LSU. Yeah, look, we uh we 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 had a moment where it was legitimized for us to try to criticize Coach O in his first year uh, about 
you know, his coaching ability and well, what do they always say about him? Well, he can recruit. Well, right now he didn't have all these players. He ended up doing well that class. Last year, pretty good. This year, I mean, he's doing exactly what people thought and then some. Mm. And it, it's damn it's just damn impressive. But I still can't understand, and this may be why he's doing so well with this class. How the hell do these top wide receivers continue to commit to LSU? I mean, my Man. God. Dude, I was looking at their class earlier. I mean, I think everybody would agree they have the surprise class in college football. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not as sold that it's going to hold up like I am Clemson's. Like, I think something catastrophic would have to happen for Clemson's class to fall apart in February. But I don't think that's so much the case for LSU. LSU. Like, their their top four commitments are all in the top 35. They're from where? Where would you, like, if you're thinking LSU... They're in Louisiana, obviously, one of the most talent-rich states in the nation. So you're mm -hmm. thinking a lot of their top guys are going to be from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Their top four are from Virginia, D.C., and two are from California. Well, it's about time they realized that maybe Nick Saban was on to something recruiting across the country. <laughs> yeah, but they, like, they have several highly-ranked players from Texas committed. And, and don't get me wrong, as it stands right now, they have the second-best class in the country behind Clemson objectively, not even if you're not looking at the rankings. Clemson 100% has the best class in the country. LSU 100% has the second best class in the country. But some of the commitments, they seem kind of sudden and out of left field. And that's a lot of guys committed really early and from all across the country. Like you were saying with the wide receivers, three of their top five are wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So if LSU does not perform on the field this season, especially in the passing game, this thing really has potential to fall apart on them. They have several guys looking around already and taking visits already. So I don't think this is really set in stone like Clemson's class is. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering why these receivers want to do three years of curl routes and bubble screens. But, you know, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> but I can tell you, if, if there's, say, three of their top five recruits are Alabama targets, damn good chance uh, Nick Saban, if he wants them hard enough, he'll flip one or two of them minimum. Yeah, one one of them recently got an Alabama offer. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he basically came out and said, yeah, th this changes a lot for me. <laughs> it was like <laughs> instantly as soon as he got that offer. So that's kind of how sturdy a lot of the guys in, the, in that class are. Yeah. No, I mean, look, uh, props to Coach O. Um, the only issue I have is, I mean, Ole Miss, the reason why they had top classes, we know why, but it never translated on the field either. LSU, if they pull a top three class in, and with all that different type of talent across those positions, they don't, they got to translate it on the field. Because at some point with a new AD too as well, it's going to be, be, begin to become a problem for Coach O. Yeah. I just think this thing could go from ridiculously good to ridiculously bad in the matter of seconds. We brought up Clemson. They're putting together just a monster of a class. Uh, depending on how many they take, they have a chance to sign r literally one of the highest-ranked classes of all time, possibly the highest-ranked class of all time. Yeah, I think almost every commitment they have so far is in the top three of their position. Yeah, they have, four, mean, they have 14 total commitments. 13 of the 14 are in the top 205 players in the country. Their lowest-ranked recruit, Brad, in the whole class – is a four-star offensive tackle in the top 350. Yeah. Yeah, it's – look, Clemson, it's, it's also a, a credit to Dabo because the way that they have recruited over the last five years, they typically don't finish in the top three. You know, they may have yeah. had it one or two times, but they're good with their class, you know, rankings be damned. 
And now Clemson has become so established consistently that they're sort of like Alabama in terms of it recruits itself and players are more drawn to it before you even initiate that, you know, recruitment. Yep. So it's not shocking to see the way this uh, recruiting cycle is now going for, uh, for Clemson coming off of a second national championship in three years. Yeah, they already have six commitments in the top 50. They're expected to land two more players in the top 10. Yeah, like if this thing holds steady and there's really no reason to think that it would not, he's going to have the top class in the nation come signing day and possibly by a really, really large margin. Yeah, no, I can unequivocally say for the first time in my life, I now understand what those other fans on Twitter and the media guys would be talking about with Alabama. Like, damn, what the hell? The rich get richer. You know, just how, when is this ever going to end? You know, how do they get all these guys? So now I've actually seen that outside of Tuscaloosa, and it's pretty damn wild to watch when it's not your team. Yeah, and like we said, it's really early in the process. Signing day, uh, there's still a full season to be played. Then, like, the recruiting season kind of starts after the season or, like, after before conference championships and stuff when, like, teams start to buckle down, and a lot can change in, in that time frame. Uh, I think looking at it at the moment, the floor for Alabama is fourth. I think LSU, if they hold up, they have a chance to finish in the top four. Clemson is 100% finishing in the top four. Georgia has set themselves up pretty well so far, and then, and then Alabama. Uh, the, I think the top four is going to be a mixture of those four, and I don't know in what order. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, hopefully we don't get the same reaction to four as we did six, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, before we go, Brad, Patrick Murphy and the Alabama softball team won the SEC regular season championship this past week. They finished the regular season 50-6. and six. I mean, that's uh, that's about like this outgoing senior class in football, you know. I mean, that's just damn impressive for that many games in that short period of time, too. And they played some pretty good competition as well. I would say so. Twelve of the 14 SEC teams head into the SEC tournament ranked in the top 32 in the country. Yeah, I mean, that's just – it's incredible. And, you know, it, it, we are – I think Coach Murphy does not get the appreciation and recognition among, among the entire fan base of the University of Alabama, as he should. You know, I said that like 12 of the 14 teams are ranked that high. And, of course, you'll going into the NCAA tournament, you'll see some of the perennial powerhouses that are, that are ranked real high, like Oklahoma. Oklahoma is always there, and they always have a chance to win the national championship. But this has to bode well for Alabama – because a lot of the teams that they'll have to get through to get to a national championship are teams they've already seen, teams they've already played in a conference that they've already won. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, the outlook in terms of, you know, from regionals on up, I mean, it's it's pretty promising just like the season has been so far. And this team, it's, it's young for the most part too as well, and they came in just straight kicking ass. Did you look at the conference awards by any chance? Uh, no, I did not overall. I saw the coach award, the coach of the year, but not uh, not all the players. Uh, just listen to this list and how impressive this team has been this year. Of course, like you said, Patrick Murphy won the SEC coach of the year. Okay, Sarah Cornell won SEC pitcher of the year, which again bodes well going into the tournament. Montana Fouts won the SEC freshman of the year. Montana Fouts, who I think is going to become a fan favorite once the NCAA tournament starts, like and all the games are nationally televised and more eyes are on the softball team, I think she is going to be a star. Like she is going to be the one that our fans you like you remember like when Jacqueline Traina Oh yeah. She was sort of the focus of the softball team. I think that's what Montana Fouts is going to be. I could be wrong. 
but that's kind of what I foresee going into the tournament. No, I mean, dude, look, there's, it, we are, it, it's just deep with young talent and, uh, there's a couple girls on there, especially a couple of pitchers that are just freaking, they're unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put three on the on first team All-SEC, two on the second team, two on the All-Freshman team, and two on the All-Defensive team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Patrick, great year. Patrick Murphy has built a monster. Yep, great year, great year. <laughs> All right, uh, be sure to tune in. The I know the SEC softball tournament has already begun. Uh, during you know as we're recording this so be sure to tune into the softball team they're about to be nationally televised literally every game uh, if you're in Tuscaloosa go support them this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast Roll Tide